Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow-up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. Hello to everybody who, who supports the big interview. Hello to all you socios. And to those who care to listen intermittently. Hola. Um, each week, the job of a columnist is to try to step back from the fray. Pick out a person, an incident, a match, a trend, a news story. And give it greater analysis and depth that the constantly pounding forward news agenda will allow. Because the news agenda pounds so constantly forward, by the time this column was published, Girona had not only ripped uh, Roma did apart up at Montelivi, Tati Castellanos, who until now I make no bones about saying has been, in my book, an un unimpressive striker, whose work rate and attitude are commendable, but whose efficacy and elite level decision making and technique have not. Nonetheless, he now becomes only the 10th man in history to score four goals against Romadid. And a Romadid who I, I struggle to explain to you now, um, the morning after, why they played with such uh, lackadaisical dopiness. They had been genuinely putting in a shift, A, to try and make sure that if Barcelona slipped up, they would be there breathing, not down their necks, but at their necks. And B, importantly, putting in a shift to make sure that the their defence of the title was as dignified as possible and that Aleti would be discouraged from overtaking them and pinching second place. And I thought that particularly the way down at Cadiz, the way that Madrid played with aggression and verve and and invention and one two nil in a in a game that could have been six or seven nil, it felt like that was an indication um that that things were on track and that Madrid would continue to use their domestic campaign as as a constant warm-up for the Manchester City Champions League semi-final ties that are coming up. Instead, what happened was three or four of their footballers, and, and it may have been a mistake 
to pitch Lunin into this game instead of Courtois. But the way in which Militao played, the way in which Valverde played, I thought was pretty near inexplicable. And there's another issue that that I raise because by the time I go on to the column, I'll be talking about events which have taken place over the last couple of weeks. And it felt important, A, to note the astonishing way in which Girona, playing extremely well, playing with clear purpose, playing with the verve that has marked down their season, but also playing with a, a greater degree of staunchness defensively all over the pitch than, than they've been able to do this season so far. There was more disgraceful abuse of Vinicius. From the stands, most of what rained down in him, I thought, was well within the acceptability compass. Que malo eres, Vinicius, que malo eres. How bad you are, Vinicius, how bad you, how bad you are. You know, if anybody can't take that, I mean, those those who get uptight about the, 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 the modern trend for histrionics and clutching your, your skirts above your, your knees and shrieking, mouse, mouse. Any footballer of almost all time in the modern game has had to put up with that and worse, and that's not an offence. He was then also subjected to racist shouts and monkey noises. It's literally incomprehensible why even those who want to put opponents off or enrage them resort to racism. And it's as if, for the moment, the the cure can be worse than the illness. Because the more this is highlighted in Spain, the more some morons seem to say, oh, that's a good idea, I'll do that. I patently have no way of knowing, and nor do you, whether all of those who are doing this are outright DNA racists or just morons, thugs who are like, well, I don't care where he comes from or what his skin is, but if it, if, it, if it annoys him, if there's a chance of him getting sent off, I'll just do that. It amounts to racist abuse either way. But I mentioned the difference between the two because as well as punishments, which I think are too, too few, too infrequent, and, and often too lenient, there has to be a continuing process of education such that when we're picking this out and, and pointing at it, the rhetoric is about don't do this, don't replicate this, don't fall into this trap, don't be this stupid. And it's time now for a suggestion which I first heard made by Pete Jensen, whereby fellow players are far more far more vocal about this. Fellow players of all nationalities, skin colours, religions, speaking out about the intolerable nature of, of racism and the message needs to be, I'm a player for your club. Sections of you were making racist abuse. You're not my, I don't want to know about you. You don't support my club. This club denigrates you, rejects you. I want players who'll be heroes the same people who are abusing Vinicius and other black players. I want the heroes to be speaking out against the racists in their own fan base. We all know um, that this chat that we share isn't going to solve things. But I do think that the more in which the use of social media draws attention to what goes on in certain stadiums in Spain, the greater degree to which international attention is focused upon fans educating fellow fans, teachers, 
parents. But now at the top of the tree, where the most immediate impact can be made, professional players in Spain calling out their own, the racists in their own fan base. Anyway, there's a perspective I'm offered on a brutal adjunct to what was otherwise a glorious night of football because, and, and on the pitch too, Girona, although they weren't penalised by the same number of fouls as Mallorca were when they beat Roma did 1-0, Girona went after Vinicius. Uh, the fouls were interchanged, the referee was very soft, I thought he had a poor night, and there were there were points at which Vinicius, and we've, we've, we've had this debate through, there are those who want him to react so that they, they can, whether actively in a racist way or subliminally in a racist way, point at him and pretend he's the problem, for fuck's sake. There was a point at which he, he shoved Santi Bueno, who'd been giving him rough treatment all night, and he shoved him over, and Santi Bueno went down, probably, I think, exaggerating it, but he didn't make a massive fuss about it. And our referee, Iglesias Villanueva, chose not to show a second yellow to Vinicius. I think in that instance, he was right, interpretively. I think some referees and maybe even his supervisors might mark him down for that. But I was fascinated at the end that Vinicius walked past Oriol Romeo's outstretched hand and didn't want to shake his hand, but went straight to Santi Bueno, faced him up and shook hands with him. And there is no doubt that occasionally Vinicius's temper, when he's faced by being kicked, referees not protecting him, and racist abuse from the stands. I say again, my ability to talk about him analytically and defensively in some instances is based upon the way I know I would react in his shoes. And I don't think I'd be even as well behaved as, as he is. For a 22-year-old lad to be treated like that and to feel victimised and targeted, I still find it remarkable that A, he isn't sent off more often, and B, that people aren't praising him for... He taunts opponents. He touches the World Club Championship on his badge. He cups his ears to the fans. Fair fucks. So you would. We, we, I don't think we ask our footballers to be St Francis of Assisi's. I think we ask them to be within a certain boundary. I think our duty of care to them is far higher than has been shown in, in Spain at the moment. And therefore, I like the fact that he went and sought out Santi Bueno, buried the hatchet, shook hands and went off to take his medicine. Another indication of increasing maturity. And Vinicius was not only the best Real Madrid player, he carried the fight to Girona. Not at any stage did he think that that match was lost and it was scintillating to watch. However, prior to that, what I'd written about was the the mini miracle. <laughs> is that word overused? Maybe it is, but it comes to mean something other than something that's sent from the heavens now that we've used it so often. And I think what we are witnessing at Sevilla is a mini miracle. But there were tributaries that showed what needed to be changed and what could be achieved if the right changes were made. The column covers most of this, but my appreciation for not only what Mendilibar has done for Sevilla, but the platform that Sevilla have offered Mendilibar to show his talents, I'm enjoying both of those things. That's why for ESPN FC, I wrote this column. Exactly a month ago, in this column space, 
I wrote about the then Sevilla manager, Jorge Sampaoli, acting so bizarrely, with such self-destructive tactics and scant regard for the fact that he'd confused and aggravated his senior players, that it was imperative he should be sacked. Imperative if Sevilla weren't to be relegated, that is. I also asked, is there anyone in the right frame of mind, with the correct judgment criteria, in a position to weigh up the pros and cons of sacking Sampaoli and to make a brilliant decision about what to do next? Looking back, it turns out that the answer was yes. And it only took Sevilla 18 days to agree with me, to get rid of the guy who seemed intent on dragging them down to the second division as if he were some kind of bizarre Argentinian double agent. Now, to everybody's surprise, they replaced the apparent double agent with a saboteur. It's a description I'll return to in a minute. A highly successful saboteur who's working minor miracles. His name is José Luis Mendilibar, a lean, craggy, sometimes fearsome Basque man who hates modern football technology, hates modern football jargon, and openly mocks those coaches who think the ball is for sharing around 15 or 20 passes in a move before an attack can even consider being mounted. Yes, you're right. It is the same Mendilibar who produced miracle after miracle to keep Abar in the top division season after season, despite the town only having 27,000 inhabitants, the stadium only permitting 6,000 of a capacity, and that little Basque club having a negligible budget compared to everybody else in the big boys league. Since this near-pensioner took charge of Sevilla, the team has produced sensational results. From playing with leaden legs, total lack of self-belief and paper-thin competitive aggression, Los Blancos are suddenly like footballing robocops. Unbeaten in six matches, they've knocked Manchester United, 2017 champions and 2021 runners-up, out of the Europa League, beaten Valencia away, their most threatening relegation rivals, and defeated Villarreal, 2021 Europa League champions. All of those things thanks to Mendilibar. He's coping with a deluge of injuries and suspension. He's also taken over just when the entire city of Sevilla goes on a non-stop, three-week, hedonistic, all-night party binge, which encompasses Easter week and then the 177-year-old tradition of the Sevilla Fair, Feria de Abril. Having inherited a team which looked dispirited, accepting of failure, and which was behaving like relegation might be a blessed relief, he's actually made them bristle with you-won't-beat-us aggression. He's made them free-scoring. He's made them attractive to watch. And bless him, he saved Sevilla from relegation. Not arithmetically safe yet, we have to admit. But now they've got a sufficient point cushion that those straggler clubs below Sevilla simply are not all going to produce enough out-of-the-blue victories to catch them. And what's more, his team now have an attitude which will win Mendilibar Sevilla a good swathe of points between now and the end of the season. What's more, they face a mighty Juventus in the Europa League semi-final, home and away, for a shot at conquering their preferred competition, which they've won six times in 14 years. Now, should they pull off such an unlikely feat, that would shove them back in the Champions League next season, bringing huge and hugely welcome revenue, 
plus making it infinitely easier to attract the good players their squad still desperately needs in the coming summer market. Now back to the theme. Sevilla's new manager is a saboteur, not because of any possible similarity with the self-destruct which Jorge Sampaoli's decisions were inflicting on the squad. The description is about Mendilibar's disdain for almost all things modern in football. Attitudes, terminology, technology and the ephemeral fashionability of some who gather together a host of badges and qualifications but lack real-world experience. He was born in the little Basque country town of Zaldibar, population 3000, which is about an hour's leisurely drive from the French border. So did you know that France is the country where the word saboteur originated? When the Industrial Revolution was hitting full tilt in the late 19th century, French workers wearing wooden boots or sabots would sometimes break into factories and smash new mechanised technology which was robbing them of mass employment by stamping on components with that heavy wooden footwear. And from sabot and saboteur, the term has stuck. All right, I hear you. How is Mendilibar a modern football saboteur? Well, it's like this. He still believes that old established is fundamentally good and he sneers openly at new, faddish, aren't we clever, modern trends, technology and phrases. Not too long ago, interviewed by Spain's World Cup winning coach Vicente del Bosque, Mendilibar explained, I'm the antithesis of the modern coach. You won't catch me walking about with a tablet or an iPad to show videos or make notes. These days, it's easy to feel a bit behind the times. You give a talk and people in the audience start asking you questions that you don't understand. People are going on about interval training and things like that. Stuff I've never heard of in my life. And I'm like, what on earth are you talking about? It's certainly not football. My philosophy as a coach has not changed since I was working in the lower leagues many years ago. I like my teams to play closer to the opposition goal than to our own goal. When you play close to your own penalty box, you risk making mistakes and conceding goals. For me, having the ball just for the sake of it makes no sense. I watch coaches with really bad players trying to play out from the back because they think it's the in thing. And maybe if I had the best pair of centre halves in the world, I might try a bit of that too. But there's absolutely nothing wrong with booting the ball clear if that's what the situation calls for. The best coach in the world is the one who knows exactly what to do in every situation. In football, the straightforward thing is usually the best thing. The challenge comes in trying to keep things simple. You would ask him, like terminology, José Luis, for example? His answer would be, in the past, it was all about the counter-attack. Now it's renamed fast transitions. They're the thing at the moment. And if you don't use that terminology, people think you're behind the times. It's the same with pivote and assist. We just used to call them central midfielders or attacking midfielders and a goal pass. Now, dear listener, some of this is obviously in the old guy howls at the moon territory. And it's an eternal complaint. Things ain't what they used to be. With Mandilibar, however, his smashing of the faddish, his disdain for the hot new ideas and his unwavering simple is usually best, have all meant blessed relief for his players at Sevilla. Confused, agitated and increasingly unhappy under Sampaoli, they now receive simple, 
clear if demanding instructions. Moreover, they all get played in the correct positions where they find it easiest to deliver their best work. Basic? Old-fashioned? Yes, but effective and popular it transpires from the evidence of Sevilla's immediate revival under him. At least one thing in his industry has never and will never change. The pressure under which almost all players and coaches suffer. Mendelibar explained, I must admit that I get very stressed. You should see me just before a game. The team will be out warming up and I'll be pacing up and down the changing room, totally stressed out. I've seen players throw up because of pre-match tension, veterans or youngsters. You do get guys who manage to really enjoy the game, but a lot of us struggle with stress. Nevertheless, I would argue top quality poker players would recognise Mendilibar's philosophy too. When the stakes are high, he has zero fear about going all in if he thinks the jackpot is worth it and can be his. At Old Trafford, 2-0 down, and having survived an hour when it looked like Sevilla would be torn to shreds, the very instant that this daring 60-something-year-old sniffed that his team might have a chance, he immediately threw on Jesus Navas, Suso and En Naziri, all of whom were being saved for the all-or-nothing relegation street ball with Valencia three days later. Result? 2-0 suddenly became 2-2 in the 92nd minute against Manchester United. In that match at the Mestalla too, he deployed Rakitic, Marcao and Lamella against Valencia, all of whom he knew were going to play from the start in the second leg against Manchester United. And he did that because Mendilibar believes you win what's in front of you, never mind holding aces up your sleeve for some putative future. So then, having thrashed Eric Ten Hag's team 3-0 in the second leg on a night of huge physical and emotional energy expenditure, only another three nights later, he called the exhausted Navas, Ocampos, Naziri, and Lamella off the bench, all but one of whom had put in a huge 90-minute shift against Manchester United, when Sunday's home match against Villarreal was precariously balanced at 1-1. This team, which had shown its bewilderment, frustration and disdain at their last self-destructive coach, responded against Villarreal with a 94th-minute winner, by En Naziri, to go eight points clear of the relegation zone. Mendilibar reached for tired players, knew they could do a job, risked they might injure themselves, and got his rewards. He'll enjoy my old-fashioned language that none of this guarantees Sevilla will give him a permanent contract when the season ends. He's been brought in as somebody to put out fires. That's football. So, for the meantime... Saddle up and enjoy the ride. Mendilibar is in charge. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.